Okay, I know this is senior takeover, so I'm technically supposed to be a senior. So just pretend I am. Good? I'm not actually a senior. Danny just gave me the awesome opportunity to be a part of Foundations, so, which is an amazing class, and you should all take it. Um, hang on, my notes are a mess because I was just up in J High. So, let's start off our night with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to gather here and grow in you and learn more about you. I thank you for every single student here in the room. I know that you have them here for a purpose and a reason. And I thank you that we are here even though it's snowing in April. Um, we love you, Lord. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right. So I'm going to start off tonight with a tree. And I wanted a picture of a real tree, and I couldn't find a picture of a real tree that I liked. So we're going to have to make do with this. Um, this tree is really strong. You know, it's got some nice leaves. It's got some nice branches. It's got a nice trunk. Um, what I really want you to see are the roots. I mean, like, the roots are, like, bigger than the trunk in some areas. It's kind of weird. But they're really dug deep into the soil, and they're really, really strong. And they anchor the tree against the storms of life, and they provide it with nourishment and allow it to absorb nutrients and water from the soil. And ultimately, while the leaves and the fruit of the tree are beautiful, the roots are the most important part. And I'm going to come back to that, but here's the reason I started there. We're like that tree. I know we're humans. We're not trees. But in some ways, we are really like trees. We are planted in the world. And we can't control where we're planted, when we're planted, with whom. You know, sometimes we get planted with some really weird trees. Um, sometimes we're planted in a really nice flat yard with birds in our branches and kids climbing all over us. And life's easy. And sometimes we're planted on a steep hill where it's a daily struggle to stay upright or even stay in the ground at all. And sometimes the ground shifts underneath us. You know, someone starts digging a hole and, oh, hey, where'd all my dirt go? Or rain comes and the wind blows and suddenly you're thrown for a loop on how to continue to stay alive. And the winds of this world, they, they blow against us, sometimes hurricane-like forces. Um, we, go through, we go through the seasons of life. We go through winters and summers and the good and the bad times and the, and the really nice and the kind of weird times like spring and fall and the seasons of life, they take their toll on us. And sometimes someone will come along and they'll cut off a branch. And we don't know what to do without it. We're like, hey, where'd that thing go? Um, and sometimes we just, we're just sitting there like, okay, this is life. I guess I'm here. Um, but the most important comparison that I want to make tonight is that we have roots. And though we can't control where we're placed, like we can't control the family we're with, sometimes the school we're in, the people who surround us, we can control where we put our roots down. And we have roots that anchor us and in, in many cases enable us to get nourishment from the soil we're in. Okay, why am I comparing us to trees again? Well, if we're like trees and we have roots, where we choose to plant them matters. And so, senior class is taking over all of next, and 
were doing everything, including like designing sweatshirts, which I didn't even know we were allowed to do. Um, and as a part of that, I have the opportunity to teach tonight. And we're in a sermon series called Fully Devoted. And in that theme, I'm going to be talking about how we should be fully devoted to Christ and how we should be deeply rooted in Christ as part of that devotion. In fact, if you take one thing away from tonight, one thing away from tonight, you'd think after doing this with junior hires, I'd be able to get my words in order. Sorry, guys. Um, It would be that we are fully devoted to God when we are deeply rooted in him. That's the big idea for tonight. So if you have your Bibles or a phone, turn with me to John 15, verses 4 through 11. Um, Hang on. My pages are sticking together. Sorry, guys. All right. If this was the last time you were ever going to see your friends, ever, what would you want to tell them? Like, you were hanging out at Chick-fil-A or Culver's or the mall. Would you be talking about, like, you get my rollerblades and you get my lava lamp and you get my Lululemon bag? No. You probably wouldn't because that's kind of stupid, but you might. Or would you be talking about, like, you know, you're, my, you're, you're really encouraging and, and you are really just, you're really supportive and you're always there when I need you. Like, what, what would you be talking about? Well, in this passage, Jesus is having his last ever meal with his disciples in the world. Like, last time he's ever going to eat with them. And he's talking to them. And he's choosing to share wisdom that will help them in their journey of following him. Now, for a little bit of context, he had just entered Jerusalem a few days before, which we celebrated on Sunday, Palm Sunday, which, okay, I love Holy Week. I love the celebration of Easter. I do not love Palm Sunday. They give all the little kids these ridiculous palm branches, and they get everywhere. Anyone agree with me there? Like, anyone? Okay, I'm not crazy. Because, yeah, those things are a mess. But he had just entered Jerusalem a few days before, and he was celebrating Passover with his disciples. Passover actually starts tomorrow in the Jewish calendar. Fun fact. And he had washed his disciples' feet. Kind of weird, kind of gross, but cool. Um, And he had talked about Judas betraying him. And now he's sharing some of his final words with his closest friends. So let's see what he said. John 15, 4 through 11. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that, your joy may, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. So my first point from this passage is in order to be deeply rooted in Christ, we must abide in him. Hang on a sec. Also, I just realized I never told you guys who I am. 
Sorry about that. I'm Evie, or Evelyn, and I have two sisters who may or may not be in this room, so if you think someone looks like me, eh, just don't talk to them. <laughs> um, so, my first point, in order to be deeply rooted in Christ, we must abide in him. But what does it mean to abide? The word abide comes from the Hebrew word that means dwelling place. In the Old Testament, God promised to make his dwelling place with his people, which he did first through the tabernacle, which is pretty much an elaborate tent where God literally came down and inhabited a special room in a special tent. The room was called the Holy of Holies, and his people could come and worship him there. And then later, he dwelled in the temple, which was a permanent version of the tabernacle. However, we see in the Old Testament that God leaves the temple when the Israelites turn away from him which illustrates an important point about abiding. Not only is God making his dwelling place with us, we are also called to dwell in God. It's a two-way relationship. And we'll get into exactly how to do that later, but let's keep looking at what it means to abide. In the passage, Jesus, is, Jesus uses the image of a vine and its branches. He could have used a million other examples, like a spaceship if they'd been invented, or a tree, like I'm using. But he used a vine. Why? Well, historically, the nation of Israel and her covenant, which is a very solemn, very special promise, her covenant with God had been portrayed as a vine throughout the Old Testament. So it would have made sense to the disciples to use this image of a vine. Also, vines were a very common plant in that day and age. People would have been very familiar with how they grew, how they worked, all that kind of fun stuff. Let's, let's reread verse 4 again, though. Really? I don't know what is up with my Bible tonight, but my pages are all sticking together. I had this problem up in J-High, too. Okay. Verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So the takeaway here is that we, the branches, have to abide in God, the vine, in order to bear fruit. What fruit? Like, passage doesn't say. But, good rule is to always interpret scripture with scripture. So, Paul, in Galatians, gives us a pretty comprehensive list of fruits. So let's turn to Galatians 5, 22 through 23, and read that together. Most of you will probably know this passage. It's the fruit of the Spirit. I'm sure some of you can recite it for me, but let's read it together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So, why is this important? Like, why am I talking about this? Well, you can tell what kind of tree a tree is by what kind of fruit grows on it even if it's not necessarily a fruit tree, like an oak tree will have acorns and stuff like that. Um, but apple trees, they grow apples. And cherry trees grow cherries. You know, a cherry tree can't grow apples, and you get the idea. We have fruit too. And it can be good fruit, it can be bad fruit, but it depends on the kind of tree we are, and the kind of tree we are depends on where we have our roots. So what is some of this good fruit? Well, we just read it. Love, joy, peace, patience, all that kind of amazing, wonderful stuff. 
But how do we grow this good fruit? Well, we abide. And when we abide in Christ, we start growing some of these good fruits that characterize him. When we spend time praying and talking to God and filling our lives with his word, suddenly, whoa, I have a lot more patience with my siblings. Whoa, I have a lot more peace about this really crazy final that I've got coming up. Like, where is this coming from? Well, it's coming from God. When you are digging your roots into the ultimate source of peace and patience and joy, suddenly that starts to flow out of you without you even really being able to control it. It's really, really cool. But when we don't abide in Christ, we start growing some nasty fruit, like addictions and a, a spirit of pride, you know, lying, jealousy, gossiping, and I'm sure you could give me lots, lots more. So you can see how this concept of abiding in Christ actively affects the person we are, the life we live, and the future we'll have. And we'll come back to the idea of fruit later, but for now, let's go back to our passage in John 15. And I don't know why I keep closing my Bible. This is a really bad idea. Because <laughs> my pages keep sticking together. All right, let's go to verse 7. And we're going to read verses 7 through 8 together for our second point. Um, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples." Hang on a sec. Let's reread verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This makes me think of the movie Aladdin, where Aladdin rubs the genie a certain way and he gets three wishes. I'm not quite sure this is what the passage is talking about. So let's dig a little bit deeper. This verse could very easily be taken to mean that if we say the right words and do the right things, God will give us whatever we want. You know, that amazing boyfriend or that A on that final that we really, really just need to pass that course. But God's not a vending machine. You don't push the right buttons and insert your quarters and you get your snack. Let's go back and look at that verse. In the first part of the verse... It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Okay. So if you look at this grammatically, those first two clauses, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, are the prerequisite for ask for whatever you wish. Most of you have taken some sort of high school English class, so I'm hoping you know what I'm talking about. If not, ask your neighbor. Let's break this into two parts. First, abiding in Christ. What we're talking about, how cool. This passage, as well as others, such as Psalm 86, show us that abiding in Christ is one of the conditions for this type of unconditionally answered prayer. When we are engaged in a daily personal relationship with Jesus Christ, where we are growing in him and filling our lives with him and his word, we are able to pray in alignment with the Holy Spirit, like our desires quite literally line up with God's desires. It's really, really weird. 
cool. The second half is that God's word abides in us. John 8, 31 through 32 says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus is saying that his word, the scriptures, needs to abide in us. And when we are abiding in God's word, we are believing what Jesus has said and walking in obedience to him. So, from this verse, we get our second point. When we are rooted, our desires align with God's heart. And what comes from these these two points that I was just talking about, abiding in Christ and his word filling us, is a relationship with God where we're abiding in him and his word is abiding in us. And through that, he's transforming our hearts to align with his. Like, our hearts are like a piece of clay. If you've ever done anything with clay, you know, you can form it into whatever you want, like an alien or a star or a cool mug or whatever. But you have to be the one doing it. The clay can't do it itself. We are like a piece of clay and God is the potter. Where when we allow him to work in our lives... He forms us into a beautiful, beautiful vase or a mug that we could never do on our own. And we align with what he wants us to be. A fancy word for this, this is a little bit of a theology lesson, is sanctification. Which basically means God is making us look more and more and more like him. And going back to my point about fruit, like fruit of the spirit, that fruit comes from a life that is deeply rooted in Christ. And as we dig our roots deeper, Not only are we being formed to look more and more like him, but our fruit, it starts to look more and more like the fruit of someone who is following Christ. It starts to look like the fruit of Christ. This is what sanctification looks like. This is what following Jesus looks like in real life. So let's finish up this passage in John 15. Let's turn back to verse 9. I did not think this through, guys. Okay, verse 9 through verse 11. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. These verses leave us with our third and final point for the evening. Obedience shows our roots. These verses are kind of confusing. So, again, interpret scripture with scripture. Let's look at 1 John for insight. Back in October, Pastor Troy actually preached on this section of 1 John. He did a huge, long sermon on 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John with that really cool intro video. But John, in 1 John, who is also the John who's writing the Gospel of John that we're talking about, um, is giving us some gauges by which we can test our faith. And one of them is obedience. So let's open to 1 John 2, 4 through 6. And I'm sorry, I don't have this on the screen. I will read it out loud here. Uh, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And the him and he in here is Jesus. So we are, if we say we abide in Christ, if we say we love Christ, we are to walk the same way he walks. 
and that a part of that is obeying. So, one of these ways we can test how deep and genuine our faith is, is obedience, which is also what Jesus was talking about in John 9 through 11, at John 15, 9 through 11. So, we're talking about fruit of the Spirit and being deeply rooted. Those are the fruit of a tree that is being deeply rooted in Christ, that love, joy, and peace, and patience. Another one of those fruits is obedience. And this is a how-to and a gauge. So the how-to is you can work on becoming more deeply rooted by obeying the commands that God has for you. You can also gauge how deeply rooted you are by seeing how willing you are, how truly you obey Christ. However, there is a little bit of discrepancy about what obeying really is. Let me give you an example. Say your mom asks you to take out the trash or do the dishes. And you're like, okay, mom. And you go do it. That's obedience in one sense of the word. But true obedience is obedience with joy. And obedience is following the guidelines that God has for us even when we might not completely understand them, but we do so with joy. Because obedience with a grudging attitude does not show God's love. I do want to make one point, however. Obedience is not what saves us. Nor should it be the focus of our faith. Obedience is a fruit that comes from being deeply rooted in Christ, but it is not what creates our roots. It is not those roots that grow deep. It makes our roots grow deeper, but it is not what makes them deep in the first place. Remember, the tree is defined by what fruit it grows, not the other way around. You can't tape a pear onto an apple tree and suddenly it becomes a pear tree. That's not the way it works. That tree will always be an apple tree, no matter what fruit you tape onto it, because that is how it is. Meanwhile, the same way, taping obedience onto a heart that is sinful and not rooted in Christ is not going to make the heart any better. It's not going to change the nature of the heart. We need to first be deeply rooted in Christ, and out of that will flow true obedience, an obedience that comes out of a love for Christ. Your obedience is not your salvation. Your lack of obedience does not negate your salvation, does not make that your salvation is not there. You might have some work to do, but your salvation is still there even if you don't like to obey. Your love for others, your joy, is not your salvation. Only Christ's perfect sacrifice on the cross is how we are saved. Let's, let's go back to that tree from the beginning. That tree can try as hard as it can to grow its roots and grow its trunk, and put out leaves, and produce fruit. But without the life-giving power of the sun, it won't get anywhere. Likewise, without God's free gift of salvation, without his son, all our good efforts and intentions, they're not going to get us anywhere. As hard as we try, we cannot grow ourselves. It just won't work. Have you ever tried that science experiment where you have beans in a wet paper towel in a plastic bag and you stick one 
on a window and you stick one in a closet and the one grows and flourishes and the other just kind of withers and dies? It's the same way with us. If we don't have the sun, we're not going anywhere. We're just going to sit and be like, okay, I'm trying. I'm not getting anywhere. I wonder why I'm not getting anywhere. I'm really frustrated. I'm not getting anywhere. You need the sun. And so I'm going to have... I put on some some music. Maya put on some music, some calming music. Let's just sit and talk to God for a few minutes. And let's let's ask ourselves a few questions. One, have you ever actually made that decision to put your faith in Jesus Christ? Are you actually living in the sunlight? Two, are you obeying? Are you digging your roots down into Christ, or are you trying to dig them into something else? And how deeply are you rooted? So let's just sit and think about that for a few minutes. And when we're done, I'll close us with prayer, and then you can be dismissed.